Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends ever, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. What you're going to find is we're three normal women who are on the journey, who laugh, we cry, we have all kinds of adventures, and our heart is to share our love of Christ with you, our friendship, and all the beautiful and broken places that we encounter. So you are most welcome to join us on this journey. Grab a cup of coffee, get settled in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to Advent again. Welcome to another series in our latest installment of our Advent series. We're very, very excited. We have a wonderful guest that we absolutely cannot wait for you to meet, but we're going to hold you in suspense for a second. So (laughs) because we're jumping on the call here and just once again, experiencing all these technical difficulties. So we prayed and we're just going to ask the Lord to bless all of our technology. Um, Heather, I think I I was watching you over Skype and I think your mic broke. Did you save it? We can hear you again. So I think you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, something broke in there. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, we're up and going again. So all is well. And I made myself an eggnog latte just before starting. So I'm good to go, which I must say it's hilarious on our Facebook group. How many people went into this conversation about eggnog? (laughs) People feel very strongly about eggnog. (laughs) Either they love it or they hate it. It's hilarious. (laughs) It is one of those things you can't just be like, meh, I mean, it's okay. I like it. It's true. It's one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. And I don't know, Michelle, because I don't think you like eggnog, do you? Um, I do not like it in my coffee. I'm a purist. (laughs) And so coconut milk, that is fine, but I don't like eggnog. So yeah. But we are recording today and we're recording in the afternoon and usually we're in the morning or early afternoon and it's like five o'clock here. So I feel kind of different, but um, yeah, but I'm so excited about the guests we have. So I'm yes, good. so we, we shouldn't delay any longer. So we mm-hmm. are delighted to have one of our dearest friends, a woman who has inspired each one of us on so many levels um, to be our second guest for our Advent series. And if you have not met Debbie Herbeck before, you are in for a real treat. And she is a profound woman of such grace and such wisdom that you're about to experience firsthand. But she has a ministry called Be Love Revolution. She's also um, partnering with um, Renewal Ministries as well. She has three books out. One is called Safely Through the Storm, Love Never Fails, Firmly on the Rock. And we first met Debbie at a women's conference where she was speaking with us at this women's conference. And we were so blown away by her story and just her love and her heart for ministry and her heart for women. And so without further ado, we want to welcome you, Debbie Herbeck, to Abiding Together. Thank you. It's so awesome to be with you. I do not like eggnog, I'm sorry to say. (laughs) Or coffee, so uh, I just struck out twice, but I love each one of you, and I'm so honored to be with you and to share this time together. That's awesome. We're delighted to have you on. Would you tell us, I mean, obviously what I just said, and we're going to pull out different parts of your story as we go, but obviously what I just said has not, you know, really does not do anything, any justice to your story. Could you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself and kind of where you find yourself these days and kind of what you're up to? Sure. Um, More than the doing part, I wanted to share the being part. I am a a wife, a mother, a grandmother, um, a mother of four young adult children, a grandmother to five little ones and one on the way. Um, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I am a Messianic Jewish Catholic. So I met Jesus Mm. um, many years ago in a very dramatic way at the University of Michigan as a young Jewish girl and really um, encountered him in a very personal way, fell in love with him, really 
chose to follow him and then found my way into the Catholic Church and the, the fullness of my faith and, you know, been saying yes to him ever since, really trying to not only live for him, but help others do the same, especially young women. Some of the things I love about your story, Debbie, is that there has been a tremendous cost for you. Like ever since you decided to follow Jesus, um, there was cost, you know, within family relationships and all along the way, you seem to have chosen a path that is full of sacrifice and yet has borne tremendous fruit. Can you just speak to that just for a moment? Sure. Well, I remember when I was beginning to read the Gospels for the first time as a freshman in college, never having been exposed to Jesus or Christianity before. And what blew me away was there was a cost implicit in the whole thing. And I thought, really, is that what Christians believe? Because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of cost or sacrifice in the way Jesus talks about it. Whoever desires to follow me must put aside everything, must hate his own father, mother, sister, brother, must pick up his cross. And for to me, to me, it was just um, part and parcel of what it meant to be a disciple was this tremendous cost. And so, yes, it was difficult, but it was it was what was known to me. I counted the costs and I, I looked at the Lord and I knew that he was calling me to do that. And he has um, more than amply um, made up for all those costs. It's, you know, it's the fine print. The Lord says, I will give you lands and people and everything, this glorious inheritance. And then the fine print is, all, is also like, you know, and you must suffer for my sake and persecutions <laughs> and everything else. So I read the fine print the ahead of time. Yes, by the way. <laughs> and I knew it. And it's brought me tremendous joy and even joy within the suffering um, of having to really give up things and knowing that it's caused division in my family and difficulty. It's like the Lord says, why are you surprised? I told you. Mm-hmm. I said it would mm-hmm. be this way. So, mm-hmm. And often I find that the things that we are living out in our story um, are the things that God calls us to minister through and to invite other people into as well. And I've seen that in many different areas of your ministry, but specifically with the young girls that you're mentoring, like you... Um, like you said, sacrifice is part of the gospel, as is discipleship. And you do a wonderful job in ministering in that way and discipling not just people who are just a little bit under you, but even younger girls. And can you just speak to that? Because that that is amazing, the work that you're doing. I love it, Debbie, that you are all in. Like, you don't talk about it. You're so in the beautiful. garbage dumps. You mm-hmm. are ministering to people and bringing the gospel wherever you go. And and mm-hmm. I would love our listeners to just hear a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if it's because I, the Lord touched me at an age um, when I was a young woman myself. And as I look back on my years before I met him, there were some rough years, some years of real identity crisis, of looking for love in all the wrong places, of really asking some difficult questions that I didn't have answers for. And so I think the Lord, in his mercy, gave me a heart for this age group because I had to walk through that so alone in my own life. And he's used a lot of my own pain and brokenness to hopefully, in some small way, heal these young women and help them get a sense of their identity, of God's love for them, of their value, of their worth, um, and to really learn what it means to be free, to really live in freedom as a daughter of, of God. And so I firmly believe, and Michelle and I have had lots of conversations about this, it's you roll up your sleeves and you accompany people in their Mm -hmm. life and in their brokenness. Um, It's not about preaching at them or teaching at them. 
Um, it's really about walking with them. And that's something I felt a, a strong call to do because I felt very alone in my life as a young woman. And I wish I had more people walking with me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And that's a great way for us just to transition into the the scripture passage that we've kind of chosen to focus in on for this Advent season and about the themes of the visitation. And I would I would love to hear just your thoughts about what what does that scripture say to you and what stands out to you about the themes of the visitation? Well, interestingly enough, it's a scripture that the Lord used very powerfully in my own life. And I, you know, I always have two kind of two segments or two parts to my conversion story because there was, I met Jesus, he is the Messiah segment. Um, And then there was the second part, which is he's calling me into the church, into the Catholic church. And I remember being a Messianic Jew who believed in Jesus, but the Catholic church was not on my radar. And one day during Advent, I was praying. And God said to me very clearly, I want to introduce you to Mary. And I remember saying, Mary who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so sorry, Mary, but uh, she was not on my radar at all. And and um, as I met with a, um, a priest that day who was kind of guiding me through investigating the Catholic Church at that time, um, he said, the Lord really wants you to know his mother. He confirmed that word for me. And so what did I do? I did not go out and buy a rosary. Um, I went to the scriptures and I said, where is this young Jewish girl in the scriptures? And the first place I met her was as she was journeying to be with Elizabeth in her time of need. And in that moment, my mother was not in my life because of my own conversion and I was beginning this relationship with this powerful young Catholic man named Peter. I was investigating the Catholic Church, and I felt so clearly, like Mary said, I am journeying with you to walk alongside you in your life right now, to be your mother, to be your sister, to be a young Jewish woman like you are, and to help you come home. And so this this scripture has so much like personal significance for me. I experienced Mary just kind of coming into my life and really walking alongside me during a very difficult time when I needed someone there for me. And so I give, I'm going to give Mary a lot of the credit for helping get me home. Uh, this, this Jewish mother mm-hmm. who, who took this place and made it a home for me. And um, that's mm-hmm. where I, you know, found the end of my journey was really in the Catholic faith. So it means a lot to me to think about this theme of walking alongside and accompanying um me as I am journeying toward the Lord and toward the house wow. of the Lord. That's beautiful. That brings tears to my eyes. I yeah. know, me oh too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, I think you make it so personable, like Mary being so personable, like um, a Jewish girl helping another Jewish girl both come home into the fullness of who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Mary is not a statue. She was, exactly. she's a person. She was flesh and blood. And it's, it's awesome that we, you know, honor her in the way we do. But, you know, I was a young Jewish girl and she was a young Jewish girl who was alone and afraid and was probably rejected by the people around her. And so I knew that she understood me and she understood what I was walking through and the sacrifices I was making to say yes to her son. So now that you have been um, discipling women for a a good season now, a good season, don't you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good, good it's season, a long, long time. time. <laughs> so we say that, but if you ever see Debbie in person, she's probably one of the most fit, um, vital people you've oh, ever energetic. seen. She, yeah, yes, she's like definitely. the energizer bunny. She could probably <laughs> kick all of our butts in a workout. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, one thing I love about Debbie is that, like, is your heart for discipleship. And you and I had a conversation a couple of months ago, and we were both talking about like transitioning in the into a season where we've been the Marys for a while. And mm-hmm. now it looks like we are becoming the Elizabeths, where we are just pouring into young women and speaking into their lives. And it was so funny that I guess we had just the previous week, Allie Hoffman, she and I were in Houston together and we were and we were oh, talking yeah. about you and Peter and uh, we were talking about how you guys are just the real deal, like the real deal. You live the gospel and you're sold out and um, you inspire us. If there is two people that my husband and I look to that are just a slight season ahead of us that we're like, okay. We watch you guys run your race well, you know, we're like, okay, we want to follow mm-hmm. after them. Like they are pretty amazing. Amen. And just your heart for the poor, but your heart for discipleship and just that you're, um, you run your race well, you know? So now that you're in a season that you are like an Elizabeth speaking into younger women's life, what is like the main thing that God has put on your heart to speak into women's lives? Good question. Great question. Um, freedom is a big one. I think just, you know, I there's such a joy for me to watch young women encounter the Lord, discover who they are um, in the Lord's eyes, mirror to one another who they are through friendships, through Christ-centered friendships, and begin to walk in freedom. It is so much fun to watch this unfold in a, in a culture and a society where women especially are so bound up where there's where they relate to one another as enemies and competition sources of competition and comparison to be in a to create a culture and environment where women can authentically love one another share their lives open their lives together i mean just even this this elizabeth mary passage where you know mary comes and she's clearly the younger one and elizabeth's humility before her to say why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? You know, she wasn't like, hey, I'm older. And, you know, why did I have to wait so many years to conceive? And here you are. And, you know, there's just like such a uh, beautiful sense of sisterhood. So what what we're trying to really instill in these young women is you, you're not alone. Um, I'm walking with you. The Lord's walking with you. Um, the saints and the angels are walking with you. And more importantly, flesh and blood, your sisters in Christ are walking with you. And so it really is this, you know, in our ministry, a beautiful sense of sisterhood together and walking together in the daily grind of life, you know, um, to really, we're with you in the highs, we're with you in the lows. Um, I'm going to be with you no matter what, um, to really mirror and image the Lord's faithfulness every day for these girls. I love that, Debbie. And I think, you know, you're speaking of something very profound and true that all of our hearts ache for. And I'm I'm wondering in your own life, just as you mentioned that Mary was a friend to you uh, on this journey, where did you learn like this kind of like modeling? Where did, Were there women in your life that also came alongside you that came to speak into your life, like women older, maybe women y- your age? I mean, did you have at any point a community of women where you learned this kind of discipleship model or was this something that was just instilled within you that you wanted to give out of your heart because it was something that you didn't have? I think a little bit of both. I think probably the latter more like this is just something God put on my heart really strongly that he's grown over the years. I I don't I didn't have a, a master plan about how to do it. I think I 
you know, it's just trying to listen to the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the Lord. The more you open your heart to the Lord, the more he stretches it and the more he's able to fill it with his plan and his love. And I think just, you know, waking up every day and saying, Lord, my life belongs to you. Teach me how to love. And you, you all know St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta has been a huge sister to me in the Lord. Um, I had an opportunity to meet her many, many years ago, and she spoke a tremendous word into my life um, that has really shaped who I've become and this whole vision of of love and really um, learning how to love and teaching other women how to love. So, I mean, I have had relationships of sisterhood and strong friendship and community. I've had, you know, people speak prophetic words into my life that have really taken hold. Um, but I think just, yeah, I've been felt very close to Mother Teresa and I feel like she's really kind of I've been her little disciple all along. I don't even know how that works spiritually, but I just know that it happened. So That's amazing. Well, we did talk a few episodes ago about how saints choose us. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and she wasn't just a saint when she died. Oh, like yeah, she was true. living a saintly life yeah. all the way along. And it seems like she chose you, you know, for some reason. Are you able to share what she said to you? Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing if you if you feel comfortable. Absolutely. Um yeah, no, it's, you know, in the context of a little broader story, but, it, you know, especially for young moms who are listening, I was a young mom with two little ones struggling with my vocation, feeling very hidden, very alone, very isolated, feeling very unappreciated, and um, had an opportunity to go to a conference in Germany that my husband Peter was speaking at, and it was, you know, I had my six-month-old son, and it was a really difficult trip, you know, everything went wrong, and taking an infant, and... Anyway, at the end of the trip, um, the last keynote speaker was Mother oh Teresa, um, unbeknownst to us. And she asked all the moms with babies to sit on the stage with her, which my son Michael and I sat with her. And um, and she actually talked about this passage of Mary coming to visit mm. um, Elizabeth. And she said, the first one who ever greeted our Lord was John, who leapt for joy in his mother's womb. And she talked about the value and dignity of life. And I thought... It doesn't get any better than this. Me and Mother Teresa together on stage. <laughs> but afterwards, as I was leaving, um, somebody led me backstage and said, Mother would like to meet the moms with children in arms. So I stood before Mother Teresa, bent over. She looked in my eyes. She blessed my son. She pulled me close. And she said with her crooked little finger, remember that your job is the most important job of all. Never forget. That was mother's admonition to me. And I went home knowing that God had used her to speak a word into my life about my value and dignity in oh my, my vocation gosh. as a mother that day. And more importantly, what it means to, to truly love and to sacrifice. And so I just started reading everything I could about Mother Teresa. I felt this tremendous connection with her that she had spoken into my life a word that I really, really needed to hear and uh, just began to learn how to love from her, how to love the person right in front of me, um, how to be present in the moment, how to um, do small things with great love. So it's kind of just unfolded under her tutelage about what it really means to love and to be a vessel and an instrument of love. So that's oh the story. I'm, oh my I'm gosh, like, that I'm is just, amazing. Me too. I know I have like tears like welling up in my eyes over here. And, and part of what I'm thinking, you know, as you were sharing that is that that word 
is because you're you're able to share that, you know, that word is being spoken right now into some of our listeners' yes, lives, like totally. who are feeling isolated, mm. who are at home, who are feeling like, do I even matter? Does God see me? I too, Debbie, remember going through a, a hidden time. It was it was a long time, many years of just feeling hidden and wondering, God, like, do you even see me? And why yeah. have you placed these passions and desires of my in my heart if if I have nowhere to to let loose, you know? And um, and it's hard to trust in those seasons. And so I love what you're saying right now. And I hope that our listeners who are in that stage are able to hear these words. I hope you go back and listen to it again, because the Lord and His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's living and active. And so those words can be spoken into your life as well. And um, thank you for sharing that, Debbie. That was, awesome. that was beautiful. And so out of that, you were saying like you had not had a lot of people to mentor you. I mean, I know for me, there was not a lot of mentorship, you know, in my relationship. And I know when I first met you, I think we were the only two women on a speaking team and we just like gravitated towards one another. And then we got stuck in the uh, airport for a couple of hours, which was heaven, you know, and we just end up spilling our hearts and all of that there. But one of my things, favorite things to say is that create the things that you wish exist. So how did the whole vision for Be Love Revolution come about and creating this beautiful platform and this beautiful ministry for younger girls? Sure. I was doing, um, when I first got married, I, I was doing youth ministry. Peter and I were working with high school kids and junior high kids and really felt a sense of what would it be like to create a culture, to create an environment where for young people, where all the momentum was moving toward the Lord instead of away from him, where the peer pressure was a positive rather than a negative. And um, so I had this inspiration, this idea, along with some other people, to create camps for junior high boys and girls, separate camps, where we could have a week of just really leading them to the Lord, a week of encounter, a week of um, filled with the Holy Spirit, a week of personal commitment to Jesus. And so we began a camp, um, just finished my 33rd year of running this camp. Um, we we started the camp with, I think, 15 kit, 15 girls, and this year we had 200 girls and a staff of over 100 young women. Um, but it takes a long time to build a culture. We're not building an event, we're building a culture. And so now I look back 25, you know, 30 year plus years later and say, we the culture is really here. And the culture is, it's a culture of encounter, it's a culture of love. And so Five or six years ago, we were at the end of one of our camps, summer camps, and I just, the girls were just singing their hearts out to Jesus, and it was just, it was a tremendous week, and the Lord spoke very clearly to me, and he said, if each one of these young women leaves this camp, having encountered the love of Christ, and shares that love with one other person in their life, we can start oh a revolution. Gosh. What? Wow. That's amazing. And it wasn't like, oh, that's a cool idea, but it was like, I, I believe this in the depths of my heart that this is how, this is God's economy. This is God's oh kairos. This is how God works one person at a time. And so I just, I just said to the young women, you know, who wants to join the revolution and really Amen. kind of started engaging these young women in the, in the idea of being revolutionaries for love. And then ended up stumbling across a pod, uh, uh, YouTube mm -hmm. video of Mother mm -hmm. Teresa actually talking about a revolutionary a revolution of love. So, um, so that's kind of how it all began. So the, the whole idea was let's take the culture of the camp 
that culture of encounter, the culture of freedom, the culture where young women feel safe and loved and valued, and let's extend it into high school because we're losing them in high school because of everything they have to face. And it's not just an event that we're running for them. Now we are saying, give me your hand, eighth grader, I'm walking beside you until you get done with high school. And then you're going to be hopefully at the end of high school, ready to fly and take wings and go out into the world and really be God's love. And uh, we have 15 seniors graduating from high school this, who were eighth graders five years ago, and they are right there. They are like tremendous leaders. They're ready to really run with the Lord. They're discipling other young girls. And so just to see the fruit of all this is just, it's, it's incredible, you know, and it's not rocket science. Honestly, it's love the person right in front of you. Put down your phone, look at them in the <laughs> eyes, tell them they're beautiful, tell them why you love them, do something nice for your family. You know, it's just very simple, fundamental things. It's being faithful, being persistent, persevering in love with these girls. And it works. All I can tell you is it works or the Lord works as we do it. I love that. I love that you said, Debbie, that you're building a culture, not an event. Mm. And I think so often, in, you know, we're so event driven and events are wonderful, but it really what does. Mm-hmm. And those do, those yeah. are sparks to conversion and things like that. But really the impetus to ongoing conversion is culture, don't you think? Absolutely. And it, the, and I want to say, honestly, the church needs to move from this model of programs, 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 especially for young people to mentorship and discipleship. I know it takes more work. I know it mm. takes more time. I know it takes more energy, but isn't that how the Lord did it? I mean, he gathered mm-hmm. a small group of people around that and he de- discipled them and he mentored them. And um, I think we just need to move to a different model. And I think some people are catching wind of this. And I do think that it's making a difference. Mm-hmm. I Oh, Debbie, gosh, I could just, you know, let loose some tears through this whole entire episode. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking you are just very simply and quickly unmasking like what the heart of the gospel is all about. And I think sometimes we create these ideas in our mind or systems within the church that are so elaborate that we get confused about what it's all about, that we forget. We start looking at numbers Mm -hmm. rather than individuals and people. And just the gift of presence that you're talking about. And so many people that we talk to and who are listening to the podcast, you know, they're beginning to ask those questions like, what can I do? What can I do to build God's kingdom? And what if I don't have the gifts? And who am I? I'm just a mom or I'm just a student or... And what you're saying is it doesn't matter who you are. It is the most simple thing to be able to offer the gift of presence, to be able to offer Jesus to others so that they too can begin to walk in this path. And I think that that's something for all of us. Instead of just listening to what you're saying, we can take what you're saying and actually take time to ponder it, which I hope that all of our listeners do. Take time to ponder what Debbie is saying and go, who in my life is God calling me to be present to and to just love really well, to come alongside in the good times and in the bad times and just journey with them. And so I love what you're saying. I feel like the church is at a critical point right now. I, th- I think we all we all do, but a critical point that needs a solution like this, which is Jesus, love and freedom and willingness to suffer uh, to bring about the good news to those around us. So Thank you for sharing that, Debbie. Absolutely. No, I love the story of Mother Teresa. Some leaders, international leaders come to her and they're like, Mother, tell us how to change the world. And she looks at them 
and says, go home and love your family. Mm, yep. Starts with the simple, most fundamental things we're called to do, which is to love the person or the people right in front of us, right under our noses, mm-hmm. which so, is challenging because thing. those are often <laughs> the hardest people to love, you know, and the hardest thing to do. But we have to just get honestly get back to the basics. And every day I'm challenged as a woman who is highly educated, who came from a Jewish home um, where that kind of thing was very esteemed. I'm challenged to sit before the Lord and to say, my life is successful. My life has value. What I'm doing, even though the world does not esteem it, even though I'm not drawing a salary from it, is successful because I'm being obedient to the Lord and I'm loving. And that's, that's I have to do it all the time. I mean, I think we all do as we're loving and as we're serving our families, as we're in ministry, is to continue to call to mind how the Lord sees us and what's valuable to the Lord. Because when we stand before him, in the end, we are come before him naked with nothing but love. So I'm going to practice all I can on earth so I'm ready to do it when I meet him in heaven. Uh, Debbie, speaking of just... um well, we're almost out of time here, but speaking of family and love and you as a grandmother, I love that stage of your life, that season of your life. You as a grandmother, uh, we have listeners of, you know, all ages and different walks of life, but as a grandmother, would you just speak some wisdom into our listeners who are grandmothers? I'm sure they would love love to hear like, what, what, what wisdom would you share with other women who are listening who are grandmothers as well? Like what's in the depths of your heart about that? I love it. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah, it's I'm my my oldest grandchild is six, six year old little girl, Audrey, and my youngest is 15 months. So um, it's so fun on so many levels um, from the very essence of beginning a relationship with a, an infant and becoming an important person in their life to now I have authority that I've gained through um, being spending time with Audrey to actually begin to speak into her life as my little beloved revolutionary. (laughs) And um, she gets when she gets in trouble at home, which all six year olds do, she gets a phone a friend and it's phone (laughs) grandma. So In her time out, she's allowed to call me and she asks me these piercing theological questions. Um, and we have these amazing conversations, and I, she asked me advice about how to love her friends and how to be love when it's hard to do in school. So I just feel like I'm able to pour into her um, the things that were, were not poured into me perhaps as a child and to really, you know, I mean, I hope I did a decent job as a parent and as a mother, but I'm, I'm getting a second <laughs> chance here a little bit too as I'm able to love my grandchildren in a very special way. So um I want to be a voice in her head and in her heart amidst all the other voices that are going to begin to come into her life and a place where she can come back and hear truth and wisdom and most of all, just be loved. So it's a great time. I love it. That is amazing. And it's to someone who I just lost my grandmother two weeks. It's been two weeks ago and she just passed away. And it just Mm. feels, I mean, I'll tear up. It just feels like I lost a pillar because she was one of those people that she was such truth and such yeah. grace to us. And she was always there. And we knew that if we came to her, we would get wisdom, you know, and we would get unconditional love. And it was just, a, she was always such mm. a safe haven mm-hmm. for all of all of our grandchildren. I mean, all of us just adored her. And it is such a beautiful, um, powerful thing, you know, a mother and, but a grandmother's love and, but the wisdom to speak into her life. Oh, that's just beautiful. Absolutely. And the whole love piece is that we've been given a legacy of love and we're, we have a responsibility to pass that legacy on 
as our children and our families begin to expand and grow, the work is never done and it's not over just because our kids are out of the house or they're married or they're beginning their own families. We have to continue to pass on that legacy, which is a wonderful thing to be able to do, a real privilege, but also a responsibility that we have. Speaking of, um, what's uh, when the word Advent here, Debbie, what's something, you know, as you're as a convert, but just, you know, in your own Advent journey, and I love how you began this whole, you know, really time with us talking about the scripture of Advent, right? So what is something, what's a personal practice that you do during Advent that really helps you enter into the quietness and the, the kind of the stillness of this season? Um, I'm trying to do some more spiritual reading and just kind of feed my mind and my heart um, to kind of not in a penitential way, but in a, I'm a hungry way. I'm hungry for more of the Lord um, to so kind of feast on truth that fills my heart and also fills me up with hope. I think if of the three virtues, I probably am lacking most in hope. And so this is a season of hope. And so I want to just kind of fill my cup with more hope. As a Jew, I also get to celebrate Hanukkah, which is a festival of <laughs> hope great. and light. So that adds a festivity to it all and the sense of miracle and um, God's provision and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I love I love Advent. It's, it's a beautiful time of year um, for me. And this is the time of year. I just two days ago, um, I had my birthday with Jesus. So this is the time of year when I gave my heart Aww. to the Lord, when he really appeared to me and I gave my whole self to him. So it's a very special time of oh, year for me. So beautiful. Very much so. Wow. I love yeah. that too. Happy Hanukkah. It's <laughs> yeah. Hanukkah right now. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Heather, you yes. want to jump in here? I feel yes. like oh, we, I wanted to hear from your heart so many times. <laughs> oh, I'm just enjoying listening, to be honest with you, Debbie. I'm enjoying um, just sitting at your feet and I am just feeling a lot of gratitude for for your faithfulness in, in just living out the calling that God has on your life. Like there was so many times throughout growing up that I was like, where are the women, you know, who are older than me? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you have been one of those women who there's not very many that are in the visible. There's lots who are, you know, not visible, but you have been a visible example to me of a woman who is sold out for the gospel and and I'm just really grateful for your faithfulness. I'm grateful for your witness, um, not just in this conversation, but but to to the wider Catholic world of what it means to be a woman in the church who is fully embracing the gospel. So I'm just really grateful for you. I'm grateful for this time that we've had to spend chatting with you. I can't wait till we get together again for real. Amen. I look yes, forward to for that. real. Yes. And so, sister, I think you have some information for people on how they can enter into what Debbie is doing a little bit more, because I think they're going to be hungry for more of your story and and more. Go ahead, sister. Oh, yes, definitely. So we mentioned this at the beginning, but we'll talk about it again. So uh, Debbie's website is beloverevolution.com. So beloverevolution.com, you can t- you can find out about her ministry to uh, to young women there and all kinds of beautiful things. She's also on Instagram and Facebook. She's got three books out, uh, one, Kyle, one titled Safely Through the Storm, another Love Never Fails, and then Firmly on the Rock. And she's also connected with Renewal Ministries as well. She and her husband, Peter, are very uh, great powerhouses in that ministry as well. So a lot of wonderful and beautiful things. Um, 
Debbie, something that we often do as, or that we always do, I guess you should say at the end of every episode is we talk about the one thing that just is absolutely captivating us this week. So it's everything from if Michelle, it's college football usually, <laughs> or it's a book or it's a, you know, a video or just something, whether, whether it is, but what, what would you say is captivating your heart this week? What's the one thing that you would offer to your list, our listeners that is uh, captivating your heart this week? Okay. Well, this is going to sound a little weird. I haven't actually seen this movie and I probably won't, but I know there's a new Mission Impossible movie out just because I've been on a, I've been on. <laughs> it's so, really good, actually. Is yeah. it good? It's so okay. Good. Yeah, it's so good. I, yeah, it's okay. really good. Well, I've been traveling a lot on planes and I've seen it, but, um, <laughs> but the, this, the whole phrase Mission Impossible. And so this ties in so well with, you know, the angel coming to Mary and, and she's saying, how is this possible? So Advent is a season of mission impossible. And so what I've been, been asking the Lord to put on my heart is give me a love for that impossible person. Oh, the person I look oh, at and girl. say, God, oh. how could God ever break into their life? Or how could I love a person I feel is impossible to love? So what's on my heart, that one thing is mission impossible. That's a risky prayer. Woo! I love that. It's just in time for Christmas when all the family comes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just Christmas with family is mission impossible for a yeah. lot of people. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, my one thing for the week is uh, I love um, I love Christmas and I love Advent and I really love the ballet, The Nutcracker. And mm. uh, Disney just released a movie. It's a children's movie and it's called The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. And they've kind of taken obviously an mm. interesting twist to The Nutcracker. But I can just tell you my one thing for the whole week is the main character, Clara, about 12 or 13 year old girl who um, has this just epic adventure and she's clever and she's noble. And in the story, her mother has just passed away. And so she's a little girl at Christmas time trying to navigate her heart and what it means to be beautiful and what it means to have a legacy of love, which is exactly what her mother had is a legacy of love. And so I just was captivated just by this noble, beautiful character of Clara. So I have to say, I don't know who the actress is or she's stunning, but the whole character that Disney has built of her, it was, it's to me, it was, that was the best part of the whole movie is just watching her navigate uh, as such a pure and innocent heart of courage and bravery and nobility and, and ultimately love. So wow. Clara's my one thing. Sister, is that the one Misty Copeland is in? Is Misty Copeland in that one? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I'd have to look at the actresses. Uh, Kira Knightley's in it. Um, also, Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice mm, is in it. Stop. They have smaller parts. Well, and, hello. And like I said, it's it's... <laughs> It's an interesting Disney's added some things in it that are just kind of odd, but but the the story you'll find the main characters of the Nutcracker in that story, but but Clara is absolutely stunning. So oh, she's can't not wait. one thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So beautiful. Heather, what about you, sweet girl? What's your one thing for the week? Well, I have a couple. A couple of one things. And oh. it's really timely, oh, Debbie, that, that you're on this podcast. I didn't know if we were going to be recording this week, but I was giving a talk to a, a whole big group of women in um, Maple Ridge nearby for an Advent thing. There was like 300 women there. And I began to share a bit of my story, which involves <laughs> your husband, as you know, and your husband, yes. Peter. Um, because of his listening to the Lord in the midst of giving a talk, I don't know how he was doing that, but he gave a talk and this one night and people have heard part of my story and he just walked off the stage right up to me in the midst of this crowd of 500 teens and just said, can I just pray with you? I just really mm. feel like the Lord prompted me to let you know he has great things for you. And it was because of his yes that that I am where I am today. I mean, we've talked about this concept before that like God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use mm. us and that our yes matters, you know, our obedience to him, our listening to him. And so I've just been pondering that all week as we're coming into Advent and, and you know, 
thinking about how heaven meets earth and the, the moments in our life when heaven has crashed into our into our hearts here. And so mm-hmm. I was just so grateful for Peter and so grateful for his yes um, and how he's, I mean, impacted my life in such a significant way. And my second one thing is I was just in Montreal, a really quick trip, a 24-hour trip, and I snuck 30 minutes in to go to St. Joseph's Oratory, which is the biggest church in Canada. Mm. It was beautiful. And um, and when I went in there, it's not the oratory that's my one thing, it's the church. And it was a great experience for me to have in this time of suffering, like with the church and things that are going on, mm-hmm. to walk into that place and to just feel the Lord's presence there and that this is my home, you know, the church is my home. And you know, take all the other things away that just that experience of knowing Jesus, you're here and, and I want to be with you. And this is, this is your church. So that was just a beautiful experience for me. And that's my other one thing. Michelle, wow. what about you? Um, I am like Heather. I have two one things. So we'll break <laughs> But one was I had an old playlist on my um, iPad and uh, my phone, and I was listening to it the other day when the I was cleaning the kitchen, and it's Kim Walker Smith's uh, song "Spirit Breakout," and it was just so powerful. And there's that line in the song that says, "King Jesus, all of heaven roars your name," and it just like totally stood out to me. Like this is what we are preparing for: all of heaven to roar His name and for um, Him to break forth and come from heaven and break forth into earth. Um, and I always like to say because it's a love story and he's coming to rescue us and he wanted to be close and he missed us. And my other one thing is is very similar to Heather's. Um, My husband and I went to Louisiana to go um, meet with some dear friends of ours and um, pray. And it was amazing. And we often talk Mm -hmm. about the feminine genius, which we're talking about right now on the show. But I think very rarely we celebrate the masculine genius. And I was with, you know, my husband and our good friend, Father Josh, that's been on the podcast. And, um, Paul George, another good friend of ours. And those three men, we were talking about some situation and Paul's wife was with us, Gretchen, just how they called out Gretchen nice giftings and where we needed to go and that, that we shouldn't shrink back. And they were, it was just a powerful moment. And I just started crying in this time because it was so beautiful for the men to be like, um, we talk about like breaking glass ceilings or anything like that. We don't want to break glass ceilings. We just want to be invited. You know, we want to be celebrated. And it's like these three amazing men and gentlemen open the door for us and say, come on, go. It's your, you know, you need to do this. And it was just a powerful moment. <laughs> Amen. So, um, yes. Like uh, there are a few good men and there's a lot of genius too. Amen. So we are oh. thankful for them. Hey man, isn't that true? Oh my gosh, Debbie, thank you so much. We we'll, we're going to have you back on the show. There's a, as you're talking, like there's a million topics we could just have you <laughs> speak on. So yes, no, I love being with you all. I miss you all. I know, we miss love, you too. We'd love to do more ministry. Oh, yes. Yeah, together. Definitely, so. it's been it's been delightful to have you on our show today. And just please, uh, listeners, check out BeLoveRevolution.com. Check out the resources there. It's a tremendous, tremendous ministry, and we're just so grateful. Uh, we're grateful, Debbie, for your yes. So thank you for saying yes so many years ago and yes every day since. So the world has never been the same. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? You can leave us a rating, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. If you would like the show notes emailed to you, you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together. That's ascensionpress.com 
forward slash abiding together and enter your email address, click the subscribe button and the show notes will be on their way to you every week. You can also find the show notes on the Ascension Press website, as well as each episode on the iTunes podcast app. You'll find everything there. You can join our private Facebook group and join our community and just get in on everything that's going on. We love to hear from you. Send us an email, give us a shout out. We are happy to be on the journey with you. And until next week, we will be abiding together. Thank you so much.